0: A scripture that I've never heard quoted in any church I've ever attended is the scripture in Matthew 5:32, where Jesus says, Whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I've never heard that scripture. Mentioned in any church group. Frequently, men marry divorced women at church, sanctioned by the pastor. That is against the Word of God, therefore, antichrist in the churches. What about a woman? Can she marry a divorced man? Can the unmarried woman marry the divorced man? Can a virgin marry a divorced man without committing adultery? If the man divorced his wife because the wife was committing fornication, I believe that man is free to remarry. Now, the woman is not free to remarry if the opposite occurs. This will not sound fair if you live by the rules of the world today, which say that men and women have equal rights and the rules are the same for men and women. In the Bible, the rules are not the same for the men and women. And we must go by the Bible if we belong to God. In the Bible, 1 Corinthians seven ten and 11 says, let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled with her husband. So no, the woman cannot remarry after she divorces. And the man who would marry the divorced woman commits adultery. But if we reverse it, And the man is divorced because his wife committed fornication. I believe he's free to remarry according to the scriptures. Therefore, the unmarried woman, the virgin, could be free to marry that divorced man, in my opinion, by the way I read the scriptures. In 1975, when I was born again, my best friend, a former Baptist who now attended a non-denominational church, was married to a man who was an engineer. He had been married before and had three children by a previous wife who died of cancer. Of course, he was free to remarry. One day I was at their house, and I noticed some extremely unusual silver vases, pitchers, bowls. I'd never seen anything like it. And I said to Donna, this is just so unusual. She confessed something to me. She said, well, when I was a... Fulbright student in Italy I married an Italian man and these were gifts from his family then they came to the United States and divorced when she met Hal, she didn't tell him that she had been divorced at that time which would have been probably in the 50s at that time They were still teaching in some of the churches these subjects about if you married a divorced woman, you committed adultery. Donna kept it secret. Hal had three children by the previous wife. I believe the youngest child might have been about five when his wife died. He began looking for a new wife among the women at the church he attended. And he narrowed it down between Donna and another woman. And he decided to date Donna. And he fell in love with her. And they planned to get married, and at some point along the line, she told him she had been married and divorced. I asked Hal... Would you have dated Donna? Would you have married Donna if you knew she had been divorced? He thought about it and he said, No, I don't think I would. They were still teaching these things in those days. Hal committed adultery by marrying Donna. Even if you don't know the laws of God, you still commit adultery if you marry a divorced woman. It's just like we walk, in gravity because god created gravity as a rule for this earth you might not know gravity is exist but it does and it affects your life both donna and hal committed adultery by marrying according to the bible After this life, each one of us will appear at the judgment seat of Christ, and we will be judged by the Word of God, whether or not we lined up our lives on this earth according to that which is written in the New Testament Bible. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, of Jesus, the word. We will be accepted if we have lined up according to the word and are living our lives on this earth according to the word. And we'll receive a full reward if we are lined up according to the word. The word being the New Testament Bible and the things we have heard from God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, says Paul, we persuade men, Our name can be blotted out of the book of life. I think this is the most severe punishment that we could have. Revelation 3, 5. He that overcometh, Jesus says, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. This shows us that if we fail to overcome on this earth, Our name could be blotted out of the book of life. To fail to overcome is to allow our flesh to have its own way and do its own thing down here and disregard the Spirit of God who is trying to lead us in the way of God. For you would be casting away the Holy Spirit if you kept going in the way of flesh. Therefore, Paul said he kept his flesh under, he kept it under the control of the word of God. He kept his flesh crucified with Christ the word. By doing the word we keep the flesh from doing what it wants to do. Or you could just suffer loss of reward in heaven, but be saved. It would be we really don't know how severe the penalties will be for disobedience. But either you could lose your salvation or suffer loss of reward for all eternity, which I suspect would be a very big thing. Second John, verse 8, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed speed is partaker of his evil deeds." When a person willfully sins after he has the knowledge of the truth, it's a very serious matter. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Jesus paid for our sins and we are forgiven. We are then recreated In the image of Christ. And we go along 30 or 40 years. And we learn various things, various truths from God. And we walk in those truths. But what happens if we fall away? What happens if we become discouraged and we think, Oh, I'm going to go ahead and commit adultery. Or I'm going to go ahead and commit fornication. Or I'm going to go ahead and lash out at that person. Those are all works of the flesh, which Paul says, we will not inherit the kingdom of God if we live in the works of the flesh. That's in Galatians 5.19. In Hebrews 10, it says, If we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despot, unto the Spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit. If you just keep going in the way of the flesh while the Holy Spirit is warning you and giving you scriptures to show you to go another way, I think a very fearful fate awaits. Verse 30, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. When a brother in Christ who knows the truth commits fornication, there's one possibility that his soul might be saved. Paul tells us of that in 1 Corinthians 5, 4 and 5. He says in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So it is possible that a willful sin, the person who commits it, would be destroyed in the flesh as he or she lived on this earth and thus the spirit be saved in the day of the Lord. We can certainly hope that. We are not going to save that person by prayer and counseling as a lot of the churches want to try to do. If they're a Christian and know these things and they willfully trample underfoot the word of God and do despot to the spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit, by committing fornication, adultery, and various things that are sins of the flesh and throw away the word of God. They can't be counseled back, but they could be destroyed in the flesh. says it's impossible to restore them if they fall away. That's in Hebrews 6. We'll read that. Hebrews 6, start at verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. But if we withdraw company from them and turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord, we can have hope for them. That's how I see this section of Scriptures compared together. And the Apostle Peter warns us about this in Second Peter chapter two, start at verse twenty. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it happened unto them according to the true proverb, The dog is returned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mud. At one period of time, I attended a church in Dallas called Word of Faith. Robert Tilton was pastor. Our Bible class teacher was single, a divorced man, and he was going to the bars and, unknown to us, committing fornication. While he taught our Bible class, that's extremely serious. When I found out about this girlfriend, I went to him and I said, "Tell me, I've heard you have a girlfriend. Is that right?" And he said, "Yes," and I said, "Well, tell me about this and he him hawed around and beat around the bush and finally, I said directly to him, "Are you having sexual intercourse with this girlfriend?" He replied, of course. I was devastated. I said, you know the Bible as well as I do. You know I cannot keep company any longer with you. I can't attend your Bible classes. I can't do anything with you anymore. He said, yeah, that's right. I said, all I can do is just put you away. And he said, yes, That's right. He didn't care. He was beyond caring. He was our Bible teacher. I knew he was going to bars. And at one point, I sent him a message and told him, before you get ready to leave for the bar every day, write out a teaching for me and mail it to me. And he did that for four or five days. And then he stopped doing that. That was his way of escape. But he, he took it and then he turned from it because it was interfering with his pleasure in going to the bar. I did not know he was committing fornication at the bars by picking up women. But I did know he was going to the bars. Drinking is not a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. But he told me that he wrote out those scriptures for four or five days and those teachings. And as he wrote those out, his desire to go to the bar diminished. But he quit doing it because it was interfering with him going to the bar. He did not take the way of escape. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 10. Verse 13. There is no temptation taken you. But such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above. That ye are able but will with the temptation make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. There is a way to escape. Each one of us has that. We have to take that way and want to live in the way of God. But many people turn from the way of God in the last times. And Jesus says in Matthew 24, because iniquity abounds in the last days the love of many will wax cold but he who endures to the end will be saved we have to work at this we have to take the way of escape we have to pray asking God for help in the midst of a temptation and it is very good to meditate day and night on portions of scripture that we store up scriptures that the Holy Spirit brings to our mind because those are scriptures that we need to focus upon morning and evening, day and night that these scriptures will give us the power in the midst of the temptation, but also prayer will turning to God and just saying, please help me please don't let me say that, please don't let me do this If you want to escape, God will make you a way to escape. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.